Welcome to the Pathways to Profitability podcast. Personal tales of business success, where we hear local business owners' personal stories of their trials and tribulations that got them to where they are today. Here's your host, Cheryl Mucha, CEO of CFO Your Way. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm really excited, as I always am, about our guests. But today, our guest is Geneve Huxley. She is a CPA and an outsourced CFO. Uh, she is based in the Colorado area. Geneve, thank you so much for being here today with us, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. So, I appreciate it. So start a little bit, tell us a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about you, your company, uh, how long you've been in business. Just give us a, a brief overview. Sure. Uh, I've been a CPA for more than 20 years and uh, started my company about four years ago. Decided to move into the fractional CFO area. When I left my last position, I had uh, what somebody called an abusive relationship with my calendar and so decided it was time to have more control over my calendar and my life. So decided to bring that expert level of CFO experience that I have and bring that to small business owners who could really use that financial expertise and knowledge, but don't need it on a full-time basis. So that's, that's why I decided to, to get into business for myself. So controlling your calendar was the impetus for going into business for yourself. Yes, it was. I love it. I love it. So describe for our audience a little bit about like who your clients are and what their, their pain is or their suffering is that brings them to you. Sure. The clients that come to me are, um, are usually uh, have hit the $1 million mark in revenue. And they uh, could be in a variety of industries. Um, and they sometimes have a difficulty in putting into words what it is that they're struggling with. They, uh, they know that there's something not quite right with the finances, but they can't quite put their finger on it and they can't quite explain what the issue is. And so uh, they'll want to bring me on on a, a monthly advisory role and help them really get their systems and processes set up, help them to understand their financials better and um, help them to really kind of see the future um, with their financials. So I, I see your tagline on your LinkedIn profile and your website and whatever. Um, I saw financial mysteries, which I love because business owners, most of them admit they don't know what they don't know. Um, so like what's one of the big or two of the big financial mysteries you solve for your clients? Well, let's see. Um, it's kind of a big variety. So one example is what I call a cost analysis. A lot of uh, service industry companies don't exactly know how much it costs to provide a service to one of their customers. Um, as you know, Cheryl, the, the, the financial statements, the P&L has, they can see the bottom line on the P&L. Yes, I was profitable last year. But if they sell 10 different services, they could have a situation where seven of those services are profitable and three of them they're actually losing money on at the price that they're charging. 
And they don't generally, they're generally not able to see that in their P&L in QuickBooks because it's not split out into those 10 services. And so one of the things that I can really help them get super clear on is how much it costs to provide those services. So then at the end of that, they'll know, gosh, we're losing money on these three services. So we either need to raise our prices on those services or we need to just stop offering them altogether because it's not profitable. And by making those kinds of decisions and seeing that level of detail, all of that savings drops down to the bottom line and increases their profitability. Yeah, I see that a lot, even with our clients, like they just are accustomed to having a consolidated P&L, they never look at their different, you know, their different silos of services or different silos of products, even. And they don't realize that, although they're profitable, you know, like you said, a couple of those lines of businesses can really be driving that profit down. And unless you look at the the detail that, you know, the, the stories and the numbers, uh, you know, it, it tells us so much and they, they just, they don't realize it until, you know, someone like you comes in. Yeah. I have found that another way to describe what I do is I see patterns and stories behind the numbers. Um, and, you know, financial statements are always looking backwards. How did we do last month, last year? They don't really show a future, but um, people like me and people like you can really understand how that is projected into the future of what the future looks like. And um, so that's one of the ways I say I see patterns and stories behind the numbers. Yeah, I say all the time that the numbers tell a story and we just have to be able to write that story and listen to that story and improve on that story. Mm hmm. So I just want to kind of step back a little bit and talk to our audience and you about, so Geneva and I are in the same line of business. We're both CPAs. We both provide outsourced accounting services. And so many people I talk to say, well, why are you so close with someone that is your competition? Um, And I don't see it as competition. Geneva and I have built this really great relationship where we can be almost like business partners. So we rely on each other to help each other through difficult situations. Or if we have a question, we're just a phone call or a Zoom away in this in this uh, day and age. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like your referral network and how you feel about being close to people that do the same or similar thing that, that you do. Right. I I totally agree. I I have always, you know, early on, actually, when I was setting up my company, I was trying to connect with CPA firms in town in northern Colorado, uh, thinking that, you know, there probably were some projects that they had for clients that were too small for them to make a profit on. And I wanted to be a, a resource for them for a referral. And so in one of my meetings that I had with a CPA firm, um, he actually offered bookkeeping taxes and, um, and uh, controller and CFO level work. And as I was sitting at the table with him talking about it, he said, wait, are you a competitor? Sh- shoot, I don't care. I'll just share with you. It's fine. And it actually hadn't even dawned on me at that point that somebody might have seen me that way. And so I, um, 
after that meeting, I thought, oh gosh, that was really weird and awkward. I'm not, I don't know what he thought about that. And so later on that day, I went back and I thought, you know, I, I just got all these yucky feelings when I thought about competition. Cause there's some networking groups that say, shut down your competition and, and you should be the only one. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't like that feeling. And so I decided very early on that I wasn't going to see anybody as a competitor. All of my business comes through referrals and word of mouth. So somebody is going to hear, you need to hire Geneve Huxley. They're not going to hear, go hire a fractional CFO. So if they hear from somebody, go hire Geneve Huxley, there's technically no competition for that. And, um, and so I just went about it that way. I, I really believe that there's plenty of business for everybody out there. Certainly, there are a lot of businesses that need our help, Cheryl. So Absolutely. the more us that there are to go around and help, the better. And um, the other thing that I've found with meeting other fractional CFOs is we all have different, unique specialties and abilities. Oh. Um, there's a gal down in Denver that has a lot of experience with mergers and acquisitions, and I don't have any experience in that area. So whenever anybody contacts me and is looking for that kind of assistance, I immediately send them down to Michelle and say, give her a call. She's got a lot more in M&A and she can probably help you better. Yeah, I agree. There's, you know, I use those words all the time. There's plenty of work out there for all of us. We all do what we do a little bit differently and our ideal client is all defined a little bit differently, but it's not only great to have the ability to have those conversations with someone who speaks your, your language, but also to recognize that like you just described, this isn't really in my wheelhouse. And instead of just shutting the person down that you're speaking to having the ability to say, your next call needs to be to, like in your example, Michelle, or your next call needs to be to Geneve. Like they will be able to, this person will be able to really help you and knows what you're talking about and knows, you know, knows how to help you. Right. Exactly. Totally agree. Yeah. So there's, there's no competition. There's no angst in, in a relationship like this. It's just all about helping and, and both of us being better for it and both, both of us growing our business because of this relationship. Yeah. And something that you said too, that I agree with is sometimes we'll come up against something in an existing client relationship that we haven't seen before. That's a little bit odd. And it's always helpful to talk to other people in the same area that can understand things at your level and say, I've got this weird situation. How would you have dealt with this? How would you record this transaction? And I've found that that's always really helpful to talk through those things with somebody else that speaks the same language and the same jargon. Yeah. And being, you know, solopreneurs, um, we can't live in that silo and not have, you know, th those, those professionals to tap into. Yeah. We can't know it all and do it all. Right. So we need to surround ourselves with the people that can support us in those things that we're not the experts in. Right. And like another example, your firm also offers bookkeeping and controller work for actually closing the books. And that's not an area that I want to provide services in. And my firm doesn't have. So if somebody wants a whole soup to nuts, um, bookkeeping all the way up to CFO, I'm like, you are on my list of, okay, you need to go talk to Cheryl because right. that's going to be a better, uh, a better fit for what you're looking for. Right. And I always appreciate those phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so 
what was besides the taking control of your calendar was there like something else that was a a push for you to go out on your own or was there something in your your past work experience that said no it's time i i've learned so much it's just time for me to be out on my own to to explore this thing they call entrepreneurship sure um you know the calendar was the really big piece of that um there, uh, I was heavily encouraged at the time to, by my partner in making this decision, he's like, gosh, if I were in your shoes, I would totally go out on my own and start my own business. And, um, and so I had thought about it before, but he was really, really encouraging for me. And I thank him all the time for doing that for me to give me that extra little push to say, Oh, you can do this. You can do this. So that was really, really good. And that too is just as important as having like you, our relationship, you and I, it's important to be surrounded by those people that will give us that encouragement and give us that push that we need, not only to start the business, but on a, a day-to-day basis, like yes, good listener and understanding the not understanding necessarily what we go through every day, but understanding that we need support as well. I mean, we're all human beings. Yep. Um, So you've been in business several years now, um, very successful. What is your definition of business success? That's a great question. I, I would say it's having, it's having enough money to buy the things that you need and having enough that you feel comfortable to also buy the ones that you want. But in addition to that, and almost more than that is, are you happy doing what you're doing? Um, you know, one of the things that's different between my business model and your business model, Cheryl, is that I've decided I don't want to hire any staff. My CPA firm is going to be just me the whole time. And that's because I really enjoy working directly with my clients and advising them and working with them and building, you know, financial what if analysis files for them. I enjoy doing all that. If I start to hire other people to come in and do that work, and it moves me more into a supervisory role of them, I'm just not going to enjoy my days quite as much. And so I've accepted that there's going to be uh, an upper limit on the growth of my business because I won't hire staff uh, to be able to expand that way. But I'm okay with that. I've accepted that because I'm going to be happier the whole time I'm in business anyway, because I'm going to be doing all of the pieces directly and personally that I enjoy the most. So I really think happiness is a very important factor. And I worry that with a lot of businesses, it gets lost in this in the uh, the drive for profits and, and high profits and high cash flow that people forget about, you know, there's there's more to life than just the money. It really is what are you doing on a daily basis? Is it easy to get out of bed? Are you excited to talk to your clients? And so that's one of the ways that I really measure happiness factor in my life and successful in business. And I agree with you 100%. And I live by the model that you have to love what you do. Like I love what I do. And I don't work, I work hard, but I don't work a day in my life because there's such a passion for doing what we do. And you know, seeing the light bulb go on above a client's head when, you know, you've explained something or presented something and they, they get it. Yeah. And what a difference it's going to make in 
themselves and the future of their business. Yeah. Well, that's and I love that image too because when I when I'm educating my clients and I have some clients that are early in their um, in their business and there's a lot of education about inventory and and what happens uh, behind the scenes in the general ledger when you create an invoice for a customer and as I'm walking through the through how it all works together. I love it because the look on their faces is, oh, and it's almost like you can see the actual light bulb go off over yep. their head. It's, it's very satisfying that it's connecting for them. Yeah. And, and the, um, the, the, stress, the stress just relieving from their, their face and their body. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. You can, you can so, see them relax and, oh, okay, I get it. Now I understand why you're really picky about how that happens, Geneve. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked a little bit about, you know, being, you know, your business, a business owner and making this decision to not incorporate staff or a team into your organization. So it's all Geneve for all your clients. So how do you set the parameter of work-life balance? So how do you make sure that you have the, the balance, of course, and the time to do what you love to do? Mm -hmm. So I do utilize some outsourced resources for some of the backend things of business. Uh, I do have a virtual assistant that helps me out with some uh, more tedious tasks that need to be done. Uh, I also have some assistance in the marketing section and people that polish up my writing. You know, uh, I don't know if this also feels true for you, Cheryl, but I'm a numbers person. Numbers, I love numbers. I can work in numbers and spreadsheets all the time. But if you want me to write like a beautiful novel, that's going to be a bit of a struggle for me. So, uh, so I have hired some assistants in that area too to help really polish up my stuff and make it a little bit more readable to, uh, to people that don't get as excited about numbers like you and I do. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of taken off that, um, more of those administrative non-direct client work stuff and, um, I'm using, uh, contractors to help provide those services and help me get that, that part taken care of. So that's one of the ways that I, that I do that. And as I grow and bring on more clients, I'll be offloading more and more of that stuff, but that's where I am right now. Right. And, and it goes back to what we said before, surrounding yourself with the people that can support you. Mm-hmm. So it allows us to be the best that we can be in what we desire to do and love to do every day. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I probably still, I'm pretty sure I work more than 40 hours a week. But again, it's like you said, you don't work a day in your life because you enjoy what you're doing. I I have an interesting different uh, family setup. And so there's times where it's like, I don't have anything else to do, especially the last two years with COVID. I don't have anything else to do. Okay, I guess I might as well work, you know, right. take, t- take care of more, uh, more analysis for clients or keep moving right. projects forward. But I enjoy that work. So it doesn't, it doesn't, bother me. Work-life balance is a lot easier when there's an intermix of that work part is also in the life part, you know, and you just enjoy it. So it doesn't feel like a slog. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And, and we all work way more than 40 hours a week, (laughs) but when we shut down or decide to take a vacation, we are confident and know how to separate it. And and just be in life. Yes. That is something that I try to work. 
I try to work really hard on as well is when I'm, when I'm not working, don't be working. Um, and, um, you know, when I go to my kid's band concert, the phone is on mute. I'm not taking client calls at that time. So yes, yeah. agree. So you're also very much involved in on a couple of boards. So tell our audience a little bit about, you know, that, that comes into the work-life balance, of course, but tell the audience a little bit about why you chose to be on a board and how that part of, you know, what you do fulfills you. Yeah, I, I love that part, actually. I've always had a heart for volunteering with nonprofits and, um, and I, I really love, you know, being on a board enables me to be at that higher level uh, strategy for the company or for the nonprofit and lending my expertise that I have in finance and accounting to the benefit of that nonprofit. And so right now I'm on two different boards um, and I, uh, I love being involved in that strategy part of it. So when I work with my clients that are paying me fees, they're also supporting uh, the broader community overall because I'm offering my services to those nonprofits at the board level um, uh, free of charge as a volunteer. So I get fulfillment because it's volunteer work. And, um, and I know that I'm supporting the broader community. Um, there's also another group that I'm involved with called SAGE here in Fort Collins. And they have, uh, they're helping really, really early startup companies, usually that come out of the local university. And uh, it puts together a team of people, a small team of people to work with that nonprofit to really move their, their idea and their product or service forward. And I'm involved with two of those companies now, and that's a lot of fun too, because you see the very early stages of something and you're like, wow, this could, this could be really big or it may flop. We're going to have to see and really try some things out. And what do we have to figure out early on? If this right. is not going to work, let's fail fast and figure that out and then pivot and figure out the next thing. So, so there's actually, I guess, four companies that I'm vol doing volunteer work for on a regular basis. But again, fulfills, fulfills Geneve. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it adds to doing what we love to do. Yeah, it's great. I do love that part. So you brought, you said the word pivot, which we usually talk about, um, especially in this two years into COVID environment. Um, have you had to pivot at all, you know, as the pandemic started or at any point during the pandemic? You know, it was relatively minimal with my company. Um, I, when I first started my company, it was pre-pandemic, and my focus was, was I want to bring this uh, expert level of fractional CFO services to the northern Colorado area. I'm about an hour north of Denver, and there's, there's a lot more people that do what I do in Denver, but in northern Colorado, there's a lot less. So that was kind of my, my regional local focus to start, and it worked well for a couple of years. And then when, the, uh, when COVID hit, there were clients that I was going out to in person on a regular basis. And so that converted to, um, to Zoom and online and phone. And in the early months of the pandemic, every business kind of said, wait, hold on, what is happening? And so everything kind of just froze from a business perspective. Maybe you experienced the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, but then by about June, everybody was like, okay, we're, we're going to be having to deal with this for a little while. We've got right. to figure out what to do. 
And so I just continued providing my services via Zoom because I could pretty much do uh, everything for clients that way. And uh, and it was so it was very minimal. I think I, I, I started paying for a Zoom subscription and that was about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, like you said, when the pandemic first hit, I think business owners globally just were like, took that minute to, to pause and say, okay, what does this mean? What's the effect? How am I, how am I, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, going to step forward and continue to operate? And, you know, all those the programs that came out and, you know, figure it out. But, I know for me and our clients and even non-clients, there was such an opportunity to be a volunteer, be a, a spreader of information to clients, non-clients, because there was so much, so so many questions and so much panic and, you know, unknown. There was, there was very early panic, um, but things, things got back to it. And now of course I'm able to provide my services to, uh, anywhere in the country. And so I've really expanded my, um, my footprint, I guess you could say. And I have clients in Ohio and New York and Texas and California, and still have several Colorado clients from before the pandemic. So that's been good from my business perspective. And I think business owners realize now in this environment that, it's okay and we can work remote it works with the we have the technology in place to be able to do that so it just expands the um the geography of the clients we can serve yep yep and i do still have a couple clients that want to do business in person i think they're sort of longing for that in-person connection Um, right there's a couple out here in northern colorado that i do visit on a on a periodic basis. Um, but obviously my clients from in other States are perfectly fine uh, right. because most of what I do is advisory, you know, having calls with them, having zooms with them to discuss things. And then if I'm building a, what if analysis, I do a lot of the building in the, you know, on my own. And right. then once I'm ready to turn it over to the client and say, okay, here's how you use the file. Let me train you how to use the file. Then we'll have another meeting. I can train them. But with the screen sharing and the technology we have nowadays, it's really easy to, to, uh, to service companies in other states. So I'm really glad for that. So as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Uh, I, you know, if, I'd love it uh, to have a conversation if they think anything I could uh, help them out with. Um, I love, I, I get really excited about spreadsheets and analysis. Uh, so if there's ever anything that um, that's complicated, you don't really know how to put together. I, I love doing those kinds of things. And I also have uh, a monthly newsletter and I post on LinkedIn a lot to have helpful tips and things on there. So if you want to follow me on LinkedIn or sign up for my newsletter, you can go to my website to do that. Um, and I think that's it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Lots of great information for our audience. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that we took the time to do this. Thank you, Geneve. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. So to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, please visit pathwaystoprofitability.com to see the links to all of our podcast episodes. Um, and just be well, be safe and, you know, 
Have a great day. That's it for today's episode of Pathways to Profitability. Remember to ask yourself, where can I pay my success forward today? 